Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So we're in the middle of this summer Sabbath series called Rest in Peace. Everybody say rest in peace. Uh, sometime this afternoon I will be resting in peace, I promise you. Rest in peace. In the first week we focused on how God worked for six days and then God rested on the seventh day. Not that God needed rest, but he was setting an example for us. But the first Sabbath um, was the first full day for man. So we started off our first full day resting with God. And God always invites us to rest first and work later. And we've kind of rearranged that and got this backwards. And it's the reason why we live life so exhausted is because we work first, rest later. God invites us to rest first and work later. We don't deserve Sabbath. We don't deserve that peace that comes with it. We, we, don't, uh, we didn't do anything to earn it. Um, it was just given to us before we even worked one day. And in John 14 and 27, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And so on the Sabbath, we get to trade our troubles for his peace. Last week, I told you that there are seven recorded miracles that Christ performed on the Sabbath. And we looked at the time when Jesus healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. And this lame man uh, had to want to be healed in order for Jesus to heal him. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And it was a legit question because sometimes you have to change your mindset before you can be healed. And today we're going to continue looking at some more of the Sabbath healings. Before we get to that, let me share this with you. When Mandy and I were first married, um, this is going to be hard for some of you to believe, but I, I weighed a, around 170 pounds when we first got married. I was, I was a beanpole. I really was. And, and for the first five years of marriage, some of you have heard me tell this, for the first five years of marriage, I averaged gaining 10 pounds a year for the first five years of our marriage. I, I put on 50 pounds in five years. Now, you can decide this. It's either that Mandy is a good cook or Mandy cooks good food in an unhealthy way. You decide. You figure that out, okay? And, uh, and when we first got married, um, I, I used to play a lot of golf, and, um, and I hardly ever play anymore. I know some of you think that's all preachers do is they play golf, and I haven't played in, man, I don't even remember the last time. But when we first got married, I played a lot of golf, two or three times a week. I had a friend that lived on a golf course, and we'd walk right out his back door and just go play nine holes. And, and I would all, often take my wedding ring off, and I would put it in, in my golf bag, in a, in a zipper compartment on my golf bag. And there was this one particular day that um, the cart girl, the beverage cart girl came by, you know, to offer some, some beverages to cool us down. And I found myself stuck in this uncomfortable conversation. Um, I could tell that the, the, the beverage cart girl was, was a little thirsty herself. And, um, and, and I looked down at my hand and I realized that I didn't have my ring on. And conviction hit me at that moment. And I thought to myself, what message am I sending as a newlywed if I'm standing here without my wedding ring on? And I made a decision that day that I was not going to take my wedding ring off. Now, there are a few occasions where I have, but for the most part, I've lived true to that. I don't go more than just a minute or two without my ring being on. I, I sleep with this ring on. This is my original wedding band. I sleep with this ring on, I, I shower with my ring on, I play sports with this ring on, I, I work with this ring on. 
And so I, I have just become accustomed to wearing that wedding band. And because of that, I know you can't see it from your, from your seat, but I, I have this permanent sign on my finger that I am married. Um, as I expanded, <laughs> as I gained weight, I didn't have it resized. And for a couple of years, the ring was just stuck there. It just didn't. I was just holding water. That's all it was, okay? Um, and so the ring, the ring was stuck there. And finally, one day I got it off. And I, I, when I did, I, I had this permanent indention. It is a permanent sign there that I am married. I could take the ring off and, and I can't fool anyone. I am a married man because of that right there. And, um, and I eventually got it resized. But, but the sign is still there. It is a sign of commitment and covenant relationship with my wife. I tell you all that because most people don't realize the symbolic importance of the Sabbath and their covenant with God. A lot of people just look past this and they don't realize that in the scriptures it is called a sign. Listen to Exodus 31 and 13 when God says, Above all you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. You go down to verse 17, and verse 17 says, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord God, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. It's, it's like a wedding ring is to marriage. Keeping the Sabbath is a sign of your commitment to God. Not wearing your wedding ring would suggest that you're not committed to your marriage. Now I'm getting some of the men in the room in trouble right now that don't like to wear your wedding ring. Maybe a few, a few wives in the room too. And uh, just remember this, um, I don't offer any counseling during the month of July. So you will have to schedule it for August. So whatever trouble you're getting in right now, uh, work it out. Um, not wearing your wedding ring would suggest that you're not committed to your marriage. And in the same way, not keeping the Sabbath, not keeping this day shows contempt for the covenant relationship with God. And we don't want to see it that way, although it is one of the Ten Commandments. We don't want to view Sabbath that way. We don't want to look at our Sundays, which is our chosen day of worship. That, that is not how we want to view it. But understand this, church, you are not the only one that is keeping Sabbath in this relationship. My wife also wears her wedding ring. And when she wears her wedding ring, wherever she's going, whether it be shopping or wherever she's going, it is a sign to anyone else that she is in a covenant relationship with me. And, and so I'm not the only one in this relationship that is in covenant. You are not the only one that is keeping Sabbath. God is committed to you also. And while you are resting, God's commitment to you is that he is working for you. And it's supernatural. It's beyond natural. That's why we don't understand it. That's why we can't wrap our minds around this month whenever I ask you things like this. Don't work overtime this month. Only work the necessary hours and trust that God is going to work on your behalf. And those people that, that actually develop that mentality and, and, and they realize what God can do for you during your time down, that God is working for you, when you begin to realize that, you realize that your steps are ordered by the Lord and you don't 
don't have to have all the answers for your life because you were blessed because his hand decided to bless you, not because of anything that you did. You're not the only one keeping Sabbath. And he invites you on Sabbath, on Shabbat, God invites you to put the troubles of life in his hands. Listen to how Peter said it. First Peter 5 and 7, he, he said these words. He said, give all your worries and cares to God. Give all, every single one of them. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Your God cares so much about you that he said, lay it all on me. Give it all to me. I don't know how God can do it. I mean, it's amazing that, that he is so divine that, that, that God can take all of our cares, all of our concerns at the same time, and he can deal with those things because he understands how finite we are and that we cannot deal with even our own, much less everyone else's. And he says, cast all of those cares and concerns, give all those worries to me because I care about you. Now I can hear the voice of the skeptical critic right now. I've met these people along the way. They want to say things like, well, pastor, the Old Testament law also says that those who dishonor the Sabbath are to be cut off from their families and put to death. It is true. It does say that. I have read it. I have studied the Sabbath more than anyone else in this room. Trust me. I have read it. And obviously, I know that we live in a New Testament age. I know that we live under the dispensation of grace. And we may no longer have to face the harsh punishments of the law. But I will suggest to you that by not keeping the Sabbath, it still has its consequences on your life. There's still major consequences for not keeping the Sabbath. You dishonor the Sabbath by working most Sabbaths and on a, on a regular basis, and you will become disconnected from your family. Just as the Old Testament told us, you will become disconnected from your family. You refuse to keep the Sabbath holy, and you will die a slow and miserable spiritual death and possibly even a premature physical death. If you choose not to keep the Sabbath holy, the Sabbath was created by God to save your life. The Sabbath was created by God to save my life. And it was killing me when I, when I was not keeping Sabbath. But when I learned to keep Sabbath, it changed my life and it saved my life. Exodus 31 and 14, he says, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. He created it for you. Not you for the Sabbath, but he created the Sabbath for you. It is there to keep you alive. And today I want us to take a look at a particularly busy Sabbath for Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there on your digital devices. Go to Mark chapter 1. And I want to take you to this seaside town of Capernaum. Mandy and I, last year had the opportunity to visit Capernaum, such a peaceful little town right on the Sea of Galilee. And this small town then in, in the time of Christ was probably only around 1,500 residents living there. And, and the town of Capernaum came, became a home away from home for Jesus. And for most of his earthly ministry, Jesus lived there. This, this, this kid from, from Nazareth, that grew up in Nazareth, left everything behind there and moved and relocated to this little seaside town called Capernaum. 
I know when we were there, just knowing there was this, this, this feeling of knowing that Christ had, had adopted that in his hometown and that he set up his, his headquarters there, his ministry headquarters for three and a half years. He, he, he worked out of Capernaum and, and, and just being there and walking there and knowing that Christ had been there so many times, it was nothing short of surreal for us. It was amazing. It was there in Capernaum where Christ met some of his, his closest friends and faithful followers. It was there in Capernaum where he met Peter and Andrew, James and John, all four of them fishermen. It was there in Capernaum where he met Matthew, the tax collector that nobody liked. No Jews liked the tax collectors. But that's where he met him. He was in Capernaum when he met Matthew. And, and, and Capernaum was this thriving little fishing community that Jesus chose to set up his headquarters in and base his ministry out of. And so what I want to do is read some verses out of, out of Mark chapter 1. I'm going to interject here and there. So just leave your Bible open to Mark chapter 1 and just let me share some thoughts. And then we're going to pray and we're going to get out of here. But I want, I want this mindset just to be poured into you today. I want you to get what I have. I want you to understand the importance of Shabbat in your life. Mark chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 21. And they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. What an interesting observation. That Jesus taught with authority. And he is very specific in his writing. And he says, not like the scribes. Under, understand who the scribes were. They knew the scriptures. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. If anyone was qualified to teach the Old Testament scriptures, the scribes were the ones who were qualified to do that. But, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a church service where the word of God is being taught, but it's being taught without authority? Have you ever been there? I hope it's not here. I've been there before. I, I know what it feels like to sit in a service and someone is teaching the Word of God. It's truth. They know the Word of God, but there is no authority behind that teaching. The truth is being spoken, but it's being spoken without conviction. Therefore, no one is buying into it. And there is something to be said about speaking with authority. And Jesus wasn't there to play games. Jesus wasn't there to tell people what they wanted to, to hear. He wasn't there to tickle their ears and, and, and stroke their egos. That's not what Jesus was there for. Jesus was there to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That was the goal of Christ. I'm coming to tell you about my Father's kingdom, and I want to share the truth with you. After all, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 23 says, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out, what have you done with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I love how the devil talks to Jesus right here and says, I, I know who you are. I've been watching you. I know who you are. You know, one of the pastoral lessons that I have learned one of the pastoral lessons that I've learned along the way is that when you speak with authority, what's really inside people will manifest. Matter of fact, if I ever preach something and it really hits you the wrong way, you might want to check what's going on inside of you. Because I promise you, when I step foot up here, I'm going to preach with authority. 
because I believe what I'm preaching. And what I have noticed through the years is that when I step into that role and I preach God's word in authority, I have noticed that whatever is going on inside of people tends to manifest. It's, it tends to come out. This happened one year for Sabbath, many, many years ago. Most of you in the room would not even know this person if any of you would, would be able to figure out who it was. But I remember this, this one Sabbath, I, I called the church to a month of, of rest as, as we have done since the first summer of DCC. And, and I called the church to a rest and I, I specifically have always said, we're not going to have any small groups meeting, no Bible studies. We're going to give everybody just a month to relax. And then August will come around and we'll hit ministry hard again and, and, and everyone be ready. We'll be fired up. And I just believe that, that God refreshes us during this time so that we can do productive ministry and we're not burnt out. And so I called the church to that and everyone was good. Everyone was happy. Children's leaders, they were extremely happy during the month. Uh, they had, they had some time off away from your little brats and some of those little brats now are, were on this stage today. Back then, they were, they were much younger. And, and this one lady set up a meeting with me, came to my office, and, and she wanted to, to have a Bible study during the month of July because it worked with her schedule. And I, I looked at her, and I just thought to myself, well, she just forgot. You know, it's the month of Sabbath. Well, little did I know, she was, was geared up, ready to go. She was ready to argue about this. So I just gently reminded her, I called her by name, and I said, listen, this is our month of Sabbath, and, and I, I just prefer that we don't have any small groups. Well, how do you think Jesus feels about that? Really? Is this what we're going to do? Okay. All right. I'll oblige. Let's, let's fight it out. You know, let's go. And her whole thing was, no, it's a Bible study. This, this is what God has called us to do. Absolutely. So we'll start it in August. No, it works better for my schedule to start it in July. And I said, well, I'm not going to let that happen. You can do it at your house. I can't stop you from having a Bible study at your house. But if you want us to advertise it for you, if you want to use church property in any way to, to host it, then, then I'm letting you know we, we're not going to have it in July. When you preach with authority... What's inside of people will manifest. You know, her and her whole family left our church because I told her she couldn't lead a Bible study in July that she would have to wait till August. Never seen them since. How many times in my ministry have I seen this and witnessed this? When you speak with authority, opposing spirits will manifest. You will find out who your real friends are. You'll find out who has your back and who doesn't. When you speak with authority, you will find out just how spiritual your closest acquaintances really are. Verse 25. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him, and they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Do you hear that? Do you hear what happened? She began to serve them. It's so interesting that she was healed. And the first thing that she does is that she serves. 
on a Sabbath, on a day that she is not supposed to serve. You see, when God brings healing to your life, I don't care if it's physical, mental, spiritual, however God brings healing to your life, God does it for one reason, and that's so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. God put the very breath in your lungs just for this one reason, so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. And when she was healed, immediately this woman began to serve on the Sabbath. I don't have time to get into all that. That's for another day. But just realize God wants to use you. And when he brings healing to your life, he is going to use you to bless somebody else. Verse 32. That evening at sundown, I want you to say those words with me. Say at sundown. At sundown. This is so important. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door get this the whole city of Capernaum possibly 1500 people are gathered at Peter's house they are standing outside the door and they're waiting on Jesus the whole city gathered together at the door verse 34 and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him and that's only because he was just trying to keep his identity on the download just for a little bit longer because he still had some more ministry he needed to accomplish before he went to the cross, but he knows it's coming. This is an amazing, amazing story. But do you know why those people waited until sundown? Do you know why those people waited until sundown? Because it was the Sabbath, and at sundown, Sabbath ends. Do you get the mindset of these people? It was the Sabbath and it was too much work to pick up the sick, to pick up the oppressed and drag them along with them to church, to the synagogue where Jesus was at. We've been there. Peter's house is a stone's throw away from the synagogue. And these people would not break Sabbath to get the sick there. They would not break Sabbath to drag their butts out of bed to get there, to, to be with Jesus and to hear his teaching at the synagogue. Why wouldn't they do that? Because people would ridicule and, and the religious leaders, they would judge them and no one wanted to be a part of that. As a matter of fact, they wanted to come under the, uh, under the cover of darkness. They were ashamed but they knew something was different about Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They believed in his ability to heal the sick, but they didn't buy into the fact that he was Lord of the Sabbath. You see, what God wants to do in our lives today, it transcends beyond any legalistic mindset that we could possibly develop. These people just waited because it was Sabbath. We don't, we don't want to be ridiculed. It's Sabbath. And it's troubling to me that so many people didn't want to trust God on the Sabbath and they chose instead to keep struggling. Don't miss this. I think we read through this and we just miss this. Their reputation was more important than their restoration. And I wonder how many of us, we struggle with that same thing, that our reputation is more important than our restoration. Let me tell you, when you get down enough, when the bottom has been, been, been yanked out of your life, when, when you are just in a free fall and you have no idea where to turn to, you'll hit your knees in, in an altar. You, you will raise your hands in praise. You will do whatever it takes to connect with God. But not these people. They had a reputation to protect. I, I like the way that King David responded to his wife when she ridiculed his actions, when he was bringing 
the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Understand, remember this, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God in the Old Testament. Wherever it was, God was there. And wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, blessings were there. Unless you touched it and then you died. But, but other than that, other than that, blessings were there. There was this one time in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where David stored the Ark of the Covenant in a man by the name of Obed-Edom's house. He stored it there for three months. And, and the scripture tells us that, that for those three months, his farm began flourishing. His family began flourishing. And, and, and the report comes to David in Jerusalem that Obed-Edom's house has been blessed. And, and, and they're telling him things like, like the rain falls on the fields, on his fields, when it won't fall on anybody else's fields. That, that he's getting more bushels per acre than anyone else around him. That they say that his livestock is thriving. His livestock is multiplying when everybody else's livestock is dying off. They said, this may not be true. True, but just go with me. They said his wife is pregnant with twins and his two oldest children, they go to bed on their own at 8 p.m. without even having to be asked. This man is blessed. And David says, go get the ark. We need that in Jerusalem. I need some of that here. Go get the ark. And as they're bringing the ark into Jerusalem, David just foolishly begins dancing and praising before God, marching before the ark. And his wife looks out the window and, and she begins to ridicule him. Why do you look so foolish in front of everyone? And David responds with, buckle up, honey. And I quote, I'll become even more undignified than this. Oh, the problem with some of us is that we show up to church all dignified. We've made it easy for you. You don't have to wear suits and ties or dresses around here unless you want to. I texted Pastor Andrew this morning. I says, the AC working? He said, yes, I'm wearing a suit and tie today. You complain about this AC this morning, I'll slap you. I'll slap the devil right out of you. It was hot in here last Sunday. How did I get off on that? I will become even more undignified than this. If you want God bad enough, you'll lose a little bit of that, that dignity. You won't be ashamed to worship God. You better learn to become a little undignified with your praise. Because this right here is just a practice for the big event called eternity. I'm not saying it's all we're going to do, but there's going to be a lot of hand raising in heaven. The scripture tells me that. There's going to be a lot of clapping. Some of you need to learn to clap on beat. I hear you on Sunday mornings, but it's okay. Because some of you can't sing either, but keep singing. <laughs> keep singing. I love the, the acoustic set today, giving some of our musicians a break during this month of Sabbath. I love the acoustic, but I could hear you singing, church. It sounded great. Keep the noise coming. It's a joyful noise. Keep it coming. Some of us need to learn to become a little bit more undignified when it comes to our praise and our prayers. You want God to heal your life? You want God to heal your marriage? You want God to, 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 to bring a wholeness to you? Become undignified with it. Timing is everything. You, you notice that? Timing is everything. Verse 21. It said, and they went to Caper Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. 
immediately on the Sabbath, he begins teaching. Now remember, it's sundown on Friday night. That's when it begins. So immediately on the Sabbath, he begins teaching. Verse 23 says, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Immediately. They're, we're not wasting any time. Immediately, this begins to, to go down. At the beginning of this beautiful Sabbath day, someone was getting their blessing while others were sitting at home sick and depressed. But not the man with the unclean spirit. He was getting his. Have you ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time? Oh, I found myself in the wrong place at the wrong time yesterday. I dropped off a bunch of people in Selma, Alabama to get some lunch. I went and fueled up one of the vans, and I was determined I was going to find the church where Dr. King started the march from Selma across the bridge all the way uh, five days' journey into Montgomery, Alabama. And I went and found that church, and it is in the middle of low-income housing, and I knew this white man was not getting out of that car by himself. So I went back and got everybody else, and I told them, now I can get out. I found myself in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was not going to do it. But, you know, finding yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, that's dangerous. But maybe you have found yourself in the right place at the wrong time, and that's just frustrating. But when you find yourself in the right place at the right time, that's just rewarding. And the man with the unclean spirit just found himself at the right place at the right time immediately at the beginning of Sabbath. And Jesus heals the man. Right place, right time, he finds his healing and he gets a few hours head start on everyone else. Matter of fact, he got almost a full day's head start on everyone else. Everyone else continues to go for the next 24 hours from my best calculations. They go for the next 24 hours still struggling with their sickness still struggling with their depression. Uh, eventually, the whole town comes knocking on the door, and I just thank God for grace because by His grace, He still had co uh, uh, compassion for these people, and he, and he healed many of them there. So thank God for grace. But church, I think the message of what I'm trying to drive home to you right now is don't wait for revival to be revived. Don't wait for our consecrate services in January to be cured. And don't wait in hiding while someone else is getting their healing. God wants to bring healing to your life right now in this moment on this Shabbat, here in this Sabbath. God wants to do it. Get what belongs to you. Get it. God is here with us. He made us that promise. And God wants to bless your life. Why are we waiting when Jesus is here? Don't go one more sleepless night without the peace of God. It might be arrogance that is keeping you from getting it. It might be pride. It might simply be a feeling of unworthiness that keeps you from getting your blessing. This is that moment right now where we just can't afford not to press in. This is that moment right now where we have to say, okay, God, I know it's the Sabbath, but, but in this moment, I will do whatever it takes to, to receive my blessing from you. I'm reminded of the prodigal son. Jesus told this parable. It's not a true story. Jesus was, was telling a parable. Trying to relate to common people a heavenly principle. And he, he tells them this story of the prodigal son that left home. A young son that left home. He took his 
share of the inheritance and, and he squandered it all and he ends up you know, living with pigs. And when he comes home, there's a big celebration. But what's interesting about that story is the older brother. Because he becomes so angry with his father. He says, he's, he's wasted it all out there. Why are you celebrating him? And his father looks at him and he says these words. He said, I've been here the whole time. You've been here the whole time. And son, all that I have is yours. You don't have to enjoy it by making a choice to leave and then come back. That's how I'm celebrating your brother. But everything that I have, all the promises that I have, all the riches that I have, all of that, it's already yours for the taking. It's been here the whole time. Just press into it. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us right now. Don't wait. Press into it. Every healing that he has for your life, it's already there. Every relationship that needs to be restored, he says, I'm, I'm bringing healing. It's already there. It's yours for the taking. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You need the Sabbath peace. Bring it to me. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.